Welcome to the Drop Zone. My name is Dylan DeChair. I'm here with Sean Zock. And Sean, my biggest story this week is Nellie Corda and what happened in Bel Air, Florida, where she won for the fourth time this season, really put a stamp on her season, regained the world number one title, and overall planted the flag as best female golfer in the world. What have you got? I've got a pretty generic take, but it's never felt like it hits home harder than this week. The PGA Tour, it is just so damn hard to win on the PGA Tour. I know you've heard that before, but we are about to break it down in detail this week on The Drop Zone. All right, Sean, we are back in our respective apartments. I'm in Seattle. You are in Chicago after... A few days, felt like a week spent in Pinehurst at the Top 100 Teachers Summit. Anything you learned down there? I learned that number one is a really good golf course. Pinehurst number two gets all the acclaim. Number four gets maybe the second most acclaim. The Cradle is potentially the most fun golf course down there. Uh, and number one is like really far down the list. But it is it's kind of the perfect antidote to everything that ails golfers about number two, it is just easier in all those ways on number one. And so maybe the most enjoyable walk was uh, Tuesday afternoon on number one. Really enjoyed it. Those damn courses with all those numbers, they're hard to keep track of. I did play number two. It was sick. It was hard. It ate my lunch. Uh, let's see. From the talks, Sean, one, my biggest takeaway was maybe we should just all be obsessed with putting speed. That was, that was something that people hit on a couple times. If you want to score better, hit your putts the correct speed. You can leave them short. It doesn't make you any worse of a person if you don't get your putt to the hole. That's okay. Didn't Jason Day tell you this a couple years ago? Didn't he say, you know, one of the best putters in the world, all he focuses on is speed? Mm -hmm. Speed, speed, speed. Yeah, but I'm kind of an idiot, Sean, <laughs> so I need to hear things at, at least once a year and several times for me to actually internalize them, especially when it comes to my golf game. All right, let's get to today's big ideas. Let's start with mine, because I said it first. Now I'm holding the microphone. There was a four-golfer playoff on the LPGA Tour this week, Sean, and there was a whole lot wrapped into it. There was Nelly. There was Lexi. There were controversial broadcast issues, and it all seems to kind of come together in one 15-minute stretch. But let's start with the... The happy part of this storyline, the impressive part of this storyline, which is Nellie Corda's resilience. So she really was in a good place through 16 holes on Sunday, got to the 17th hole, which is 336 yard par four, made a mess of it, missed in the wrong spot, left the ball in the bunker, wound up missing a tap in yeah. like a 18 inch two foot putt, made triple bogey. So essentially took herself out of contention. So it seemed... But then she came back and birdied the 18th hole. Lexi Thompson ended up making bogey to set up a high-powered playoff. And then what did Nellie Corda do? She poured in a birdie putt. Perfect, perfect holing speed. Scott Fawcett would have been proud. Act absolutely right in the center. Uh, and, and just a pretty casual fist pump, despite a dramatic moment that capped off an insane season. You were watching the playoff. What did you think of of Nelly's moment there. Well, you, you said it was a pretty casual fist pump. Everything about her is casual. Mm -hmm. She does everything. It's so casual. casual. She very, very rarely uh, reacts like with some crazy amount of excitement. She, mm -hmm. you know, 
her face like reaction oftentimes is pretty dull. She's so straight, I guess, straight laced and, and extremely focused and dialed in that she doesn't even like smile all that much. She doesn't frown at all. She's just so like, honestly, for lack of a better term, kind of monotone in her, uh, in her reactions to things. So that doesn't exactly fit in with the rest of our champions across pro golf, but it doesn't matter. I mean, she threw four rounds in the sixties again. She, I mean, it just, it, it felt like another cap of what is a huge, huge season for her. If this is her, like, if this is her operating speed, which is like win multiple times on the PGA tour, kind of go about it super casually. She feels like the kind of person who could win 25 times, 30 times in her career. That's a large number, but you're absolutely, I mean, she's got that kind of game. She won four times this year, pretty effortlessly. She won the gold medal. Um, I want a little more out of her in, in that killer department. Essentially. I want a little bit of tiger woods. Like I don't want to beat you. I want to, I want to crush your soul. I'm not sure that's who Nelly is. So so maybe I shouldn't want that, but, but there's plenty to appreciate from her game because when it's going, she has the combination of power, like hits it a long, long way. So she has that big bomber game, but then she also has the game of someone that can reel off like eight or 10 birdies in a round. Like she does have that repeatability that so often you know, a golfer like Rory yeah. McIlroy doesn't necessarily have. Like, if he plays a really good round, it's going to be because he's hitting a lot of brilliant shots, but not because he's doing something that seems like he could do it over and over and over and over. Um, she has intimidating game, I, I would think. Like, the way she played in Tokyo at the Olympics was, I think, intimidating. I mean, she almost shot 59 there for a minute. Uh, she has that kind of, like, go stupid low mentality and ability that like Lydia Ko just doesn't hit it that far. She's absolutely lethal around the greens. And when she gets high with her putter and her ball striking, it's really good. Mm-hmm. But like, she's kind of getting the most out of her frame and ability. But like Nelly is tall and like languid and has a really solid long swing. So she's got length. And I think one thing is absolutely true is that length took over the men's game and it's slowly but surely taking over the women's game too. So like there's nothing about Nelly's game that feels like it'll slide. And we say that all the time about people. It felt like there was nothing about Lydia Ko's game that could slide, but then it does and things get in the way. So we say this all the time, but for her, she really feels like the real, real, real deal. She was asked about the bounce back afterwards, because I think that's, that's the coolest part of this win is having that triple and then coming back and, and making two birdies in absolute must make situations. She said she almost kind of lost faith and, you know, was almost saying, all right, it's, it's time to get ready for next week and kind of focus on moving on. Then she found the best putt, made it twice in a row and rolled it in. So it went really nicely. So that's all there is to it, Sean. Yeah, but that's not all there is to the story of Sunday on the LPGA tour. It's really not. Um, Lexi Thompson missed a couple really, really makeable putts. She missed a short par putt, maybe four feet at the end of regulation. And then she hit a really great shot. She found the correct slope in the playoff by far the closest approach probably six or seven feet, something like that. And then 
Nelly made the putt first. There's that saying in golf, first ball in usually wins. And that was definitely the case here because when it was Lexi's turn to match, she absolutely gunned it past the left side of the hole. It didn't go in. Sean, closing is hard. We're going to get to that in, in terms of the PGA Tour. But, uh, I mean, what did you what did you make of watching Lexi here? It's hard to look at, at what happened to Lexi, what Lexi did. It's not necessarily what happened to her. Um, it's hard to look at what she did and have confidence for her to close the deal moving forward. I mean, it was just so reminiscent of, you know, I guess in a lesser way, of what happened at Olympic Club this summer and what's happened at other places in the past maybe three or four years with her where she has a lead and it's up to her to win. No one else is taking it from her. There's a lot of tournaments that someone can take it from you. Jason Kokrak took it from the rest of the field, but it was up to Lexi Thompson to win. Do the things required of you to win the golf tournament. Mm -hmm. And she has now repeatedly not done it. I don't know a better, more accurate, simpler way of, of describing that. And oftentimes it comes with the putter. I mean, you overheard on the broadcast when she was lining up her putt in the playoff. Um, I wasn't sure what broadcaster said it, but he said, look, her hands were shaking a lot lining up that putt much more than it was in regulation, which is a very alarming thing for a broadcaster mm -hmm. or, you know, on course reporter to recognize is like, she she's yeah. extremely nervous in those moments whereas the type of killer tiger woods instinct things there aren't really nerves in those moments there are i'm going to make this putt nelly cordis saying she you know, there's no way nelly was like nervous nervous over that putt that she made in the playoff she's like no i'm gonna make this thing i just made this thing 15 minutes ago with lexi it's the exact opposite yeah Nelly even said that, actually. She said, honestly, I wasn't that nervous over the first one for birdie, the putt and regulation she's referring to. I was like, okay, just try to give it your best shot and see what happens. So, you know, she, she saw an opportunity. I think when, when I see Lexi and when I see her playing in these pressure situations, these high-octane moments, I see years of pressure. I see, like, yes. years and years of being in the absolute center of the spotlight when it comes to American women's golf mounting over time. So instead of someone that seems to travel through the world pretty unaffected, like Nelly, we know that's not how Lexi operates. I mean, she's been honest about that. She's been forthright about how difficult that is. And then when it gets to those moments, I think instead of seeing the opportunity of here's my chance to win a golf tournament, there's really a fear of losing yep, the golf tournament. Totally. Not to like psychoanalyze her, but that that just I mean, it's a relatable yes. feeling to anyone that's not superhuman at golf. I think that it's far easier to be afraid of bad things happening than to go seize the good thing. That's the whole deal. <laughs> <laughs> that is golf, dude. That is literally golf. That is that is something that there are derivatives for everyone that plays this game. For you, there's a derivative of that. For me, mm -hmm. there is, hey, man, you make two pars here and you're going to shoot 77. Okay, well, I blow the next drive right. That's how this game screws your brain. I think when you have as long of a career as her, people on, on our end of the of of the television broadcast kind of think like, oh, she's she's used to this. She'll be fine. But recently, she's just been used to coming up short. So I'm worried about it. Yeah. You know, I'm sure she's more worried about it. She is probably doing all that she can to say, 
hey, this one wasn't my time. Next one will be my time. Keep knocking on the door. Keep knocking on the door. Keep knocking on the door. But you know who else has had that mentality for a long time? Like Ricky Fowler in the majors. Everyone asks, why can't you get mm-hmm. it done? I'm going to keep knocking on the door. I'm going to keep knocking on the door. It doesn't always end up opening. <laughs> that's the sad truth. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the problem, right? Like you can have the correct mentality and it's just not going to work out for everyone. There's plenty of mini tour players that probably have pretty great processes. Yeah. They're probably not doing anything wrong, just that it doesn't always work out. But yeah. I mean, this is a situation where, you know, if this was like the first take of, of golf, like maybe this is where you just shred people for coming up short. But that's just not how I feel at all when it comes to Lexia. I, I just feel a lot of empathy. I feel like what you see when she's playing is is the greatness of her game, which sometimes can feel like it's, you know, on a different level than a lot of her competitors. But then you just see the real humanity and and the true challenge of golf. And she is she sometimes it feels like these golfers are immune to that these days. Like sometimes it feels, it felt like there was a stretch on the PGA tour last year where people were just closing golf tournaments and then it quickly flipped to, you know, fourth round leaders having a really hard time, but, but it's not easy. It's not easy to get that last ball in the hole. And I think that that's the the big lesson from Lexi here. She didn't really talk much about it afterwards. I think she's kind of done with talking about that stuff where she can avoid it. Um, but hopefully she's going to be in in that situation again, and, and hopefully things are going to go a different way. It probably will. Yep, totally. One last thing on that, Sean. We got to find a way to get these these finishes on TV. I mean, I know I know that I don't fully understand broadcast rights. I get that. But come on, we've got four of the best female golfers on the planet in a sudden death playoff, and it's on kind of a janky stream that went down and then came back up. We had one reporter live tweeting, and that was pretty much the only way you could find out in real time what was happening down the stretch. I mean, this is not me coming in with a solution. It's just me coming in saying, figure it out. Say it a little louder for the uh, producers in the back. We had the number one player in the world, the number four player in the world, the number five player in the world, and the number 13 Mm -hmm. player in the world. You you, You will never recreate that on the PGA tour. It doesn't happen. We're never getting that. We're never getting that moment back, Sean. And then I'll just leave you with a a little Nelly, Nelly Corda quote here. She said, coming off that putt on 17, that missed two footer said there were definitely some R rated words going through my head and probably out of my mouth. The nice thing about her caddy, Jason is I can kind of vent to him and he takes it. It's not directed at him. It's just, I can vent and get it all out. And then I can focus up. He tells me positive thoughts now that everything is out in the air, and then we go after it. Sean, we're going to take that approach forward, I think. <laughs> Love that. In our, next, in our next tournament. The only person, I think, in pro golf who I want, or if I had you know, if I had three wishes and I could dish out victories, the only people I think I would really want them to go to would be Lexi Thompson, Dylan DeChair, and Martin Trainer. And I think that it will be my best segue into my big – takeaway from the week is that holy cow holy cow holy cow it is so darn hard to win on the pga tour this isn't even in a really really big tournament this was in a pretty mid-size mid-level size golf tournament and martin trainer was holding on to the steering wheel and the steering wheel was shaking and you know if anyone's driven about 100 miles an hour in their car, the steering wheel, if the car isn't used to that, starts shaking. And that's kind of what it looked like for him. 
It's kind of what it looked like for Scotty Scheffler. That's definitely what it looked like at moments for Kevin Tway and uh, Matthew Wolf even looked really shaky. And I guess it was just on full display that at any given moment, any given tournament, there's just a lot of luck involved. There's a lot of randomness involved, and it's definitely maddening when you have the cream of the crop rise, right? The cream rises to the top, and you have like a group of 10 people that are, one of them's going to win the tournament this week. And it kind of comes down to whichever one was about the luckiest, or basically whatever one hit like three or four shots at the end of the day. Um, it was it was really hard for me to watch the wheels fall off for a couple people at the, at the tournament today. And you know what? Maybe it's because we really, really like Martin Trainer. Um, but even Scotty Scheffler, I was pulling for that kid to get his first victory. And he looked super shaky until he was out of it, and then suddenly he starts bombing driver everywhere and hitting the fairway. Like, it is an absolute mental grind out there. And maybe the person who was freest was the person who entered the uh, the day 10 shots back and eventually shot 65 and won the golf tournament, Jason Kokrak. You know, there's something to be said for four rounds is just like six holes too many mm-hmm. for some people. Six holes too many for our boy, right? Martin Trainer, who, you know, we're we're pretty unbiased when it comes to most golfers, but we are unabashed Martin trainer fans, which is usually a pretty safe place to be because, you know, he is consistently not in contention on the PGA tour. So it really doesn't matter, but yeah, to your point, it depends when you end the golf tournament, right? If there, if golf tournaments were 18 holes, 36 holes, the winners would be a whole Mm -hmm. lot different. Michael Bamberger has written about this in the past, how 72 holes is just right. Three rounds is not enough. Five rounds. Yeah. And 72 holes is like, sometimes way longer than 71 holes it sure is and you know coming into a final round there are always all these different storylines that can play out I mean even today the start of the round this was Scotty Scheffler's moment this was his day halfway through the round that's what it felt like this was just going to be a coronation for Scotty it was going to be the natural next step for him after beating John Rahm on Sunday singles at the Ryder Cup this was going to be the start of Scotty's winning PGA tour career, but that quickly went out the window. There was Matthew Wolf. He was going to make a comeback. He was, you know, going to complete essentially his comeback after, you know, taking some time away. Um, and then now really looking like he's got the form to get himself back in that top tier of the PGA tour. He made a hole in one and then it looked like maybe he was going to make a charge, but no, I mean, that doesn't quite pan out. There's all these other guys that are looking for a career-changing victory. Each of them had a chance. Martin Trainer, the craziest storyline for sure. 2,000 to 1 entering the week. 5,000 to 1 somewhere I saw. Anyway, he had a two-shot lead on the back nine. I mean, there's just all these different things that can happen. But, yeah, I think that is the lesson to some extent is only one player can win. It's obvious, but it's also, like, extremely relevant. Well, yeah, and the guy who won by three made four birdies in a row starting at 13, 13 through 16, birdied them all, had a pretty decent look at birdie on 17, had a pretty solid look for birdie on 18. Like sometimes you can have control of your golf ball, control of the golf tournament, one hand on the trophy, as they like to say, forever, for for the majority of this thing. Sleep on the lead multiple times. And then suddenly some dude birdies four to the last six, 
and just steamrolls everyone. Wins by two. Like, the other guys weren't even close. You know, by the time he tapped in for 10 under, the tournament was called. And he was like three groups ahead of the leaders. It was a done deal. Does this week's result change Jason Kokrak's legacy, Sean? Yeah, for <laughs> sure. All for right, sure. great. I mean, like, as much as this Houston Open is not an event that we're going to remember forever, uh, the difference between two wins and three is a big deal. His his legacy, you know, he's got a long way for us to, like, truly care, care about his legacy. But three wins, you know, it's one of those things where in sports you're like, you're only as good as your last performance. Well, I think in golf, sometimes people only remember you for your last victory. And until Rory McIlroy won in this fall series, his last win was uh, at Quail Hollow earlier this year. And then his last win before that was kind of like 18 months ago. We remember people for the gaps between their victories. And so, yeah, for Martin Trainer, it was almost zero weeks since our last win. Um, mm. and instead it's now, I guess, probably going on a hundred plus weeks, 110 weeks since his last win. And you can say the same for, for a lot of people, you know, Joel Damon was flying high, uh, in the spring when he won, mm. uh, in Puerto Rico. Right. But now it's been 30 something weeks since his last win. That's how we remember people. Right. I think he won in the Dominican. Cause I think he avoided Excuse the, me. uh, the Puerto Rico yep, curse. You're right. Joel, all apologies. Consider yourself cleansed. Yep. I do want to just say quickly, Sean, Memorial Park, kind of sick, kind of rules, really hard and really distinctive. And I think those are two things that I personally love in a PGA Tour test. I mean, you had the 13th hole in the back nine was a reachable-ish par four. You had the 15th hole was playing 115 yards on Sunday. Uh, 17 is semi-reachable, but also devilish make got guys making double bogey there left and right and then you have a bunch of really hard par fours where bogey is just lurking so there's just such variety there's birdies there's bogeys there's big numbers there's just a lot of trouble um and it's a freaking muni it's so (laughs) sick i'm really jacked up about memorial park as a host course well i and i think you have to be most jacked up just at the condition it plays in and and that that is a testament to the grounds crew out there the the maintenance staff like you don't get that at a lot of munis. You really just don't. Like Torrey Pines and maybe Chambers Bay. Like only the elite, elite, elite uh, munis have staffs like that where they can actually have, you know, use a lot of funds um, to make their course shine in the way it deserves to. So it felt, it felt like these guys were walking around there really really trying to avoid bogey really being comfortable with par and you know the other places we see that we see that at major championships we very rarely see 10 under as the winning score on the pga tour it happens only a handful of times a year and those are always for me the most entertaining uh events throughout the entire season the the players championship winner will be at 15 or 16 under this year that's how it kind of goes at that tournament like memorial park is is to par playing tougher than, you know, what is supposed to be the biggest event on the PGA tour every single year. So sometimes you can throw around those comparisons and it gets a little loose, but when a Muni stands up like this to a very, you know, pretty solid field, uh, you have to take note of it. It's, it's, it's unique. All right, Sean. Well, happy Muni Monday to you. Uh, happy Martin trainer top five week. And, and I do just want to send us to 
our interview with Martin here. We got him on the horn right before he went to dinner uh, at a really just interesting moment in his career, a guy that's been in the wilderness that we've seen firsthand his struggles, um, you know, had made what only one of his last 18 cuts. He has one top 25 in his PGA tour career, whatever his struggles have been well-documented. They were certainly well-documented on the broadcast. So then having this bittersweet moment of holding a two shot lead on the back nine and winding up T five was, uh, was just a really interesting point in time. So I was glad we got to chat with him. Um, it's not a super long interview. We had to let him get to his butter cake, but I hope you guys enjoy. Okay, Martin, first of all, thanks for, thanks for joining us here on the drop zone. Um, I want to ask you where you are on the happy to sad meter coming off today's final round. Yeah, good question. It, it really is the, um, it's sort of a curse of humanity that our expectations just are like this ultimate sliding ruler, you know, where at the start of the week, if you told me I'd finished T5, I would have been just ecstatic. But then, you know, with a 30 foot birdie putt on 17 green, I think T5 doesn't sound so good. So, um, Overall, I kind of try to maintain the perspective of thinking, hey, this was an unbelievable week. I had a chance to win on the PGA Tour. Um, you know, ultimately, that's all you can ask for, you know. But, you know, there is that part of me that's bummed out about the last couple holes. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely be honest with, with us. We understand the duality there. Um, at what point in the week did you start to feel like, hey, this feels different than, you know, the run that you've been on recently. Yeah, it's funny. It was kind of a funky week because the first day I only played, I think it was maybe uh, 12 holes or 11 mm -hmm. holes because of rain delay. Yeah. I was doing quite well. I was, I think, a few under at that point, but, you know, just early in the week. And then Friday I really played great over the last, you know, the second round and the conclusion of the first. So it, it kind of took me by surprise. It was like, it went from, hey, that was a good start to my round to I'm 10 under and leading the golf tournament. <laughs> so it happened really fast. But yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it really can happen that fast, obviously. You know, going into the weekend, I I was excited to try to, you know, keep playing well and that course is just so brutal that you know it wasn't imminently in the cards to do that like it was you know the first couple of days where it was so smooth but um yeah you know it was a great effort but then at some point maybe on the 11th hole today you make a 71 footer i need to know what's going through your head when that putt drops like what is happening oh man i mean that was definitely the highlight of the day um, you know, it, it, the greens are so fast on this course that you're just trying to lag it up there on literally anything outside of like 12 feet, you know, and that was like a 70 foot downhill. I mean, it was like the ultimate, just please get it within three feet or even five feet it would be totally fine. And, uh, yeah, I just rolled it down there and once in a while it randomly goes in and I mean, it was really cool to obviously have the crowd and just to, at that point, I forget exactly where I was in the standings or whatever, but I think I, I was, you know, leading or that putt made me lead. Yeah. So it was, yeah. I mean, it was just, yeah, a really cool moment for sure. 
I need to know if if your like right arm is sore from raising it so much to the crowd because <laughs> you you made back to back thirty footers on the front nine and I just kept seeing you like really just enjoying it and uh, it felt like you had the crowd behind you and everyone's like holy cow like this guy's this guy's gonna do it today yeah yeah you know what this makes me think I need like a signature move you know <laughs> I think you have one I think it's that point I think you're you've got that like skyward point people are gonna think you're very religious yeah <laughs> and, true. Uh, yeah many and pointing to the heavens the skyward point yeah yeah I don't know I, I think I'm gonna that might be my uh project of the off season is trying to develop a uh signature move when I make a, a big putt like that um yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? What's what are my options? I could do like a, a little salute to the crowd, or well, you know, aren't you a Steph Curry fan? Fist pump. Aren't you a Steph fan? Steph Curry. Maybe you start doing what he does when he makes a three. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a little out of context, but maybe we can find a golf <laughs> version of it. <laughs> that was good, Martin. You didn't even come close to answering the question. You are ready for the big time. Oh yeah, what was the question again? <laughs> I don't know, but uh, how aware were you of your position on the leaderboard? Did you know that you were winning? Did you like? Are there a lot of scoreboards out there that you kept checking? Uh, there were a shockingly low amount of scoreboards I found. Like it was, it was like every handful of holes. I really didn't know what was going on. But honestly, as every person who's ever you know played a sport will tell you, it's like you're just trying to do your best and the scoreboard doesn't really matter unless it's a very specific situation, like on the last couple of holes or something like that. So at that point it was like, I'm just out here trying to make pars and, you know, get 71 footers within five feet and, or potentially into the cup. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's all I was doing, but I, I didn't really know. I knew I was up there and then I made a couple birdies. And, and at that point, I think I saw a leaderboard and I saw I was leading, but, you know, on the PGA tour and at that course where bogeys are like the easiest thing to make, you know, it was, it was definitely, uh, you know, I knew it, I needed to play well going into to, to have a chance. I got good news. You, you're going to gain 800, 800 spots in the world golf ranking. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, in my top, in my top 300. Not quite. Um, you're gonna you're gonna be right Let's around. Not get greedy here, Martin. <laughs> bit by bit. Hey, I'm I'm gunning for that top 300, baby. Take us through the emotional roller coaster, though, that was this week. I mean, there were plenty of stats being thrown around on the broadcast. Not all of them particularly flattering towards your golf game and your PGA Tour performance. Obviously, you've been playing golf on a very high level, but not as high level as some of your peers. Um, so. What does it feel like, first of all, to not just make a cut, which is obviously a very difficult thing to do, but then make a cut and be in this position to change your your year and your career? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that about I had a few people text me saying that I guess it, they didn't even say what people were saying about how I missed a million cuts or whatever, but they just seemed aggrieved that like they were, you know, basically just just disparaging my my golfing name you know mm -hmm. but from my standpoint it, it does that stuff doesn't matter at all i mean i'm i have status this year 
and I've won on tour before. And so, you know, my only goal is just to get back to a point where I'm playing well and, you know, potentially contending. And this week was like, you know, a best case scenario where it was a perfect course for me and I played really well. And, you know, it ended up, I ended up having a chance, which, you know, for me is a, you know, that's, that's a huge win for me just to be up there and have a top five and contend. What, what was different though? I mean, like you, you putted like crazy 480 feet of made putts, uh, but you also, you, you struck it really well. And I would say maybe that was the biggest difference for you. Like on Friday, you hit 16 greens. Um, is there something in your swing that you've been working on that you've been working toward or like, is there anything different than Martin trainer of two months ago? Yeah. I mean, I won't bore you with the, uh, mechanical details of what no, I'm doing. Please do. That's what we want. <laughs> well, I don't even know how to explain it really. Uh, but basically, you know, there's been this one move, which I've affectionately called, uh, affectionately called the death move with a bunch of my friends. Basically where, you know, the face is wide open and I just hit a huge push essentially. And, you know, finding a counter to that move, which is caused by a series of events in my swing prior to impact, um, you know, basically I was able to find a counter to that by kind of staying low and keeping my left shoulder low, you know, during the backswing and also through impact. And that kind of allowed me to to hit the ball straight and kind of like recapture what most guys out here do, which is, you know, sort of have control over their golf ball. And once I was able to do that, you know, and then, of course, make all those putts, that was just the right combination between that and this golf course, which suits me pretty well as a long hitter. That was a good combo for me this week. Now, is your caddy driving you right now? No, I, I'm currently in the car with Emily, and uh, she, unfortunately, during the entirety of this podcast, has been struggling to find parking for our dinner. Well, that makes it for a really stressful podcast. Yeah, right, definitely. Well, but I got one I last question for you. Now. One last question for me is, you have a guy, uh, Zach Smith, that's been on the bag. I'm not sure how long he's been caddying for you, past few months or half year or so and you got two of us who have caddied for you in the past what's the what what's he got that's better than us <laughs> um he has more experience than you guys <laughs> but um yeah he he's he also shows up the earliest i've ever seen anyone show up to a golf course like he's Love literally that. there just hours before I have to tell him to just like stop <laughs> coming so early and just like, you know, lead your own life. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, you guys are, you guys are legendary caddies. That's what an occasion to be able to do a podcast with two of the greats, you know? <laughs> yeah. It must be a real honor for you, Martin. That's great. Um, uh, I got a couple more for you. Sean said he was going to let you go, but I'm not quite ready. Um, I want you to explain like, again, what you're feeling right now. You've got this fifth place finish under your belt early in this new season, a season. This is like your free agency year. You know, this is like Vince Carter free agency year needs a, needs a big showing. Um, like, do you feel relieved? Do you feel excited? Do you feel frustrated? What's going on in your brain? 
Um, certainly a little bit relieved that I have a good finish under my belt, obviously. Um, you mentioned, you know, this is, I have full status this year, but um, unlike the last couple of years, you know, I need to play well to stay out here. And that's something that people think about often, you know, and never really talk about because they want to be optimistic and just assume that things are going to go well. But the reality is, you know, it, it's hard to do that. Um, but playing this well, I think not only is this week in and of itself good for my own year, but I think it, what I figured out this week with my swing, with my putting, I mean, I think those things will hopefully, fingers crossed, allow me to be consistent moving forward. Doesn't mean literally every week, but hopefully these types of performances can become you know, a little more frequent. And, um, you know, I think that is probably the more valuable thing to me rather than the actual finish itself. Was there any particularly emotional moment out there, um, either after the round or, or moment during the week that you'll really remember when you look back at this week? That putt on 11 was really cool, but, you know, I'm also proud that I played well today, you know, after yesterday. You know, I didn't hit the ball very well yesterday and, and sort of scraped by, made some good saves to have a chance today. And then I came out and played really well and made some great putts. And so, you know, that just tells me that moving forward, I, I have a chance and that perhaps more of these weeks are coming. And, you know, that puts my mind at ease, I think, a little bit for the future. All right. And last thing. What is it about you that can flip that switch? Like, why is it that when you see the top of the leaderboard, you just start to see red and you like charge for the number one spot? Why is it all or nothing with you? Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's quite inexplicable, to be honest. I mean, I think it maybe speaks to kind of like the the nature of golf that, you know, if you do find something in your swing, if you, you know, start really having control of your ball flight and, you know, being able to, you know, basically hit it straight off the tee and hit good iron shots and putt well, all those things kind of like add up. So I guess in, in the times that I've played extremely well, I've been able to do all of those things well at the same time, obviously, sort of by definition, that's what you have to do. But I don't know, man. I some, Somehow when I play well, it seems to go really well, so I'll take it. What's All for right, dinner? We'll keep it up. Yeah, what is for dinner tonight? Uh, we are in for a treat. We're going to Mastro's, and uh, we are going to crush a butter cake, which is one of the most <laughs> underrated things at Mastro's, as discovered by uh, my girlfriend, Emily, here. All right, well, Lock shout on. out to Emily. Shout out to Martin Trainer. We were spreading the good word all week. Certainly of... Uh, you have no no more no two people who believe more in the trainer train than these two right here. So we appreciate you coming on. Well, you're biased because you've caddied for me, so vested interest. But thank you. That, thank you. Yeah, I, I do appreciate it. All right, man. Thanks, Martin. We really appreciate you. Hi, Emily. Hi. <laughs> I was like, is she, she said like hello. All right. Thanks, dude. Have a good dinner. Congratulations. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you later. All right. Alrighty, folks. Major thanks to Martin Trainer, who uh, 
he said he he forgot one part that he wanted to include when, on our discussion, Dylan. He said he wanted to mention how he laid up on a par three by hitting the green. The 15th hole at Memorial Park, as you said earlier, was playing 115 yards. The pin was just just mm-hmm. over, I guess, the water hazard, like a little little. I think it's a little creek, whatever is right in front of that green, and the green extends way back into the left. And Martin missed the hole probably by like, I don't know, 60, 70, 80 feet um, just by hitting the like super fat, super deep part of the green. I think more. I mean, that was 115. (laughs) I feel like he hit that thing like 200. (laughs) He was like further away after that ball landed than when he started. Yeah. Well, he he called it a reverse layup just by, by hitting the green, avoiding the hazard and just being as far away as possible. And honestly performing from there what a ridiculous two putt for par uh, to move on and i don't know just keep his tournament hopes alive but anyways thanks to martin trainer thanks to you for listening uh we got another drop zone coming out later this week we're talking about the top 100 golf courses in the world we're gonna have a course uh ranker i guess i don't know if he's a course raider but he he ranks courses uh for golf.com and golf magazine so stay tuned for that and we will see you later this week <laughs>